you walk into an abandoned house and you stumble upon a decades-old journal. Do you open it? This world is a strange one. What happens if you open that journal? What will you see handwritten on the pages inside? Will it be the foolish words of young love or a terrible warning of something that happened before? If you ever stumble upon someone's diary, no matter how old it looks, don't open it. For one, that'd just be rude. And two, the things that haunted that person might haunt you next. Enjoy these six mysterious journals discovered by subscribers. But first, are you a nurse or a paramedic? Send me your creepiest true stories while on the job at darknessprevails.org. I'd love to feature them in a future video. Now, Dear Diary. Number one, Great Grandma's Diary, submitted by Megan. My great grandma passed away at the age of 98. She was from Italy and then moved to America when she was only 14. We were cleaning out her house after her passing. I was in her bedroom going through her closet when I stumbled upon a wooden box. It had private written on it in Italian. My family and I talk in Italian to each other all the time, so I'm very fluent in it. I opened the box and I found what must have been my grandma's diary. It was a dark brown leather book that was torn in some places. I flipped through the pages and something caught my eye. All the ink was black until the end of the book when the color changed to red. I began to read some of the words and it didn't take too long for me to get really creeped out. One entry was dated on July 24th of 1931. As I read it, I got spooked and I felt like something was beginning to watch me. I no longer felt alone in that cold, empty room. I read two pages and this is what it said. It's finally time to leave to America. I thought the day would never come. Things only seem to be getting worse the longer we stay here, and I can only hope the torment subsides once we embark on our journey. They are getting worse. They won't leave me alone. I woke up with a bruise around my neck last night, and not two weeks prior did I awake to a scratch forming on my arm. I bled heavily, so much so that it made me lightheaded and caused me to fall back to sleep. I don't want to wake up screaming any longer. I don't want to see their eyes in the corner of my sight. I'm crazy, mother and father say, but they don't see what I see. I think if they were to see them, anyone would go mad. I can only pray that they are attached to this place and they won't pursue me to the ends of the earth. I think if I'm wrong, that there's only one thing left I can do and I'm not fond of taking my own life. There was a multitude of other pages and I wanted to keep reading, but I couldn't. 
because I began to feel a breathing down my neck. And when I turned around to see who was there, I saw that I was alone until I saw one of my grandma's lamp fall into the floor. It scared me so bad that I shut up and ran out of that house. I ran into my mom knocking both of us over and I began to stutter to her, great, great grandma, over and over because I wanted her to know what I had just discovered. But all I managed to get out clearly was that something was in the room with me that knocked over great grandma's lamp. My mom looked at me like I was crazy. We went back to the room together and to my surprise, the lamp was back up on its shelf where it should have been, but the journal was still in the floor. I went to grab it to show my mom the pages to show her the crazy things grandma used to see and feel, the horrors she experienced alone. But when I picked it up, the journal was wet as if someone had just dipped it in a tub of water. I opened up the pages and all the ink was smeared. The diary was ruined. Later that night, I was having trouble sleeping, trying to shake all of that creepiness from my head. I kept telling myself my grandma was just crazy, that great grandma had some sort of mental disorder and that the only thing I had to be afraid of was that it was genetic. At about one in the morning, when I still couldn't fall asleep, I suddenly heard a quiet knocking on my closet door. The moment I realized it was coming from my closet, I buried my head deep into my pillow and covered my body with the blanket. I don't ever remember being so scared. There was someone in my closet. How long they'd been there, I don't know. The knocking came over and over, quiet, as if it didn't want to come in. It just wanted me to know it was there. Eventually, I picked myself up out of bed and I forced myself to walk over to the closet. I turned my bedroom light on first and I stepped over to the closet door. The knocking was still coming. In one quick motion, I opened the closet door and I peered inside and there was nothing there just my clothes and my belongings as usual. I quickly slammed the door and crawled back in bed and I left the lights on for the rest of the night. To this day, I don't know if what grandma was talking about was actually real. I don't know if the things I experienced myself were real, but needless to say, the entire situation was nightmare fuel and I hope I never come across anything like that ever again. Number two, The Dogs of War, submitted by T. My great uncle was an artillery officer in the German army during the Second World War. He recently passed away, but he left some of his journals from the war to his sister, who is my grandmother. My grandmother told me that I could look at them if I wanted to, and so I did. There was nothing out of the ordinary at first, just some really interesting war stories. When I read through his journals, it was like I was reliving the past, reliving the hell that all the soldiers on either side had to go through. But eventually, I stumbled on something that seemed to stand out to me. 
Apparently, my uncle had been placed somewhere in an area with thick woods on the French-German border. He didn't give an exact location, but the area seemed to creep him and the other men out right away. Well, here's the gist of what it said in that entry. Apparently, one night, one of his men came running into the tent, yelling, Volva, meaning wolves. At first, he didn't believe him, so he asked him to repeat himself, and again, with a terrified expression on his face, he said, Volva. At this point, my uncle thinks a pack of wolves are getting aggressive, trying to pick off his men as they were starving. He also says that he was used to this when he lived in Russia for a time before the war. But even still, the wolves would mostly attack animals, but when they started to attack children or anything else, they would get a posse together to hunt some of them down. This would usually put the fear back in the wolves for a time. Besides, most of them in the European regions had been hunted to near extinction. So he decides to wake up some of his men and tells them they are going hunting. They were going to show these wolves who was boss and maybe even get some food out of the deal. He tells the men to keep an eye out for anything on four legs and that this shouldn't take too long. As morning comes around, my uncle is getting tired and he's ready to go back to camp to get some sleep as things took longer than expected and they hadn't seen hide nor hair of any wolves. But just when they started to go back, they suddenly heard a loud and low howling coming from directly in front of them. All of them raised their guns. At this point, my uncle said he wasn't afraid, but after a couple of seconds, they hear something running behind them. As they all turn around, my uncle feels his mouth drop. He's staring at something he never thought existed. It's a big black wolf standing on two legs. He could see it breathing slowly, mist forming in front of its mouth. It was much, much bigger than any of his men. He says that another came from his ride as well and stopped only a few meters away from the group. This one was smaller, but still at that size, it was far bigger than any man. They both began to growl in unison. Then he hears another approach from the left, but he doesn't dare look. He's already frozen in fear and disbelief. Without being given an order, one of the men fires a gun at the creatures. Then everyone else bolts back to camp. He screams run himself and takes off with the group. They could hear the same footsteps all around them, easily keeping pace with the soldiers. Luckily, they make it back to camp without incident. For the rest of the day and that night, nothing really happened, except all of the soldiers that were out there were on edge. He said that this experience really shook up the beliefs of everyone there, made the men question their own realities. He sends a request to one of his superiors for permission to move the camp further away from those woods for the safety of his men. He later states in the journal that he never shared the experience with anyone, lest he be labeled a liar and maniac. On one occasion after the war, he visited one of his fellow soldiers who was with him that night, and with a nervous composure, he denied that it ever happened, saying that he didn't want to talk about it. When I got done reading the journal, I decided to ask my grandmother about it. I asked her if she heard any weird stories from my great uncle, 
or if she ever read any of his journals, but she said no. She said she's embarrassed for what her country did back then, and she also goes on to say that I'm the only other person who's read them besides himself. Reading my uncle's journals makes me understand what war was really like, especially since I've been in combat before. It also gives a bit of insight into the supernatural that we like to believe doesn't exist. I wonder if what those men saw that day, if those wolves are still out there. Before I go, I just want to say thank you to anyone who has served in the military. You go through hell to protect life as it is. Thank you from a current United States Marine. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number three, The Creakers, submitted by S.J. Recently, I found a very old diary of mine at the bottom of a storage container. In it, I found some interesting entries about a series of events I had almost forgotten about. Given the terrible grammar and organization of the diary itself, I haven't written out the entries, and instead I compiled them into a timeline of the five years I was haunted by what I called the Creakers. You see, in the house I lived in, all of the bedrooms were on the second floor, clustered around a single hallway, in a way that makes the house stuffy, getting any kind of breeze flowing through it impossible. And the floor outside of our rooms was known to be very, very loud. Whenever you stepped on it, it would creak very slowly and loudly. It was pretty creepy if you heard it at the wrong time. For as long as I can remember, I've been an insomniac, that's probably why I first started noticing them. They were tall, shadowy figures with distorted faces, and sometimes they had glowing eyes. They would walk slowly down our hall, floating a couple of inches above the floor, but somehow you could still hear them taking creaking steps. At the time, I called them ghosts, and my parents dismissed it as an overactive imagination and nightmares. They said that the creaking sound was just the house settling at night. As I got older, 
the list of things these ghosts did got longer and longer. They watched me from under my bed and they tapped on the walls. Sometimes they would stand over me in my bed while I pretended to sleep and they would become angry if they realized I was awake. You see, the Creakers hated being noticed. They seemed to get more angry and active if I told people about them or even acknowledged their presence. Creakers also didn't just keep to the night either. During the day, they would slowly open doors and then slam them shut suddenly. This was not something that the house did on its own because again, there was no airflow in my house. The sounds of their footsteps and the hinges of the doors they opened, that's the reason I gave them their name, the Creakers. When I turned eight, I began seeing them less and less often, and by the time I was nine, they no longer roamed the house, or maybe I just couldn't see them anymore. I could still hear the knocking on the walls, and the doors do open and close randomly still, but for the most part, the strange happenings have faded. There is one diary entry that I've rewritten into something coherent that I'd like to share with you. It's an old one from my childhood and a creepy one. Here it goes. Dear diary, mom sent me to bed without dinner because I told daddy the cabbage is gross. I told her that I can't be up in my bedroom alone, but I can't come down until tomorrow, so I'm stuck, but I'm not gonna sleep because there's a creaker watching me from the closet. I'm pretending I don't see it. Maybe it won't hurt me if I don't act like I see it. How long will it take for Chris to finish? I'm really, really scared. It's coming closer. I can hear it. Another one is knocking on the wall. Will mom and dad come if I call them, or will they ignore me since I'm in trouble? I tried calling out for them anyway, and they don't care. I'm so scared. I need to get out of my room. I'm going to try to run. And that's the end of it. I still remember that night. It was the first time in my life that I was ever so scared. I ended up having a panic attack and falling down the stairs. Do I believe the Creakers exist? I'm not for sure anymore. What I do know is that there is something in my house. Something resides here, and it causes a lot of things to move and make noise. No matter who's in this house and who isn't, I never feel that I'm completely alone. There are things in this world we don't understand. Creatures that exist just out of reach of our senses. Some might be benevolent or neutral, but there's definitely a lot of malicious presences out there. So stay safe, everyone. Number four, possible shooting submitted by someone. Only two years ago, I was in the seventh grade. I was really good friends with this guy named Richard. Well, Richard was a social outcast. He was at our school for three days and was being bullied very hard. I'm no bully myself, and I hated the idea of people picking on him. So one day I walked up to him, and I said, you should come sit with me at lunch. 
We talked for about five minutes until we had to go to class. When lunch rolled around, Richard sat with me. He talked about how he wished he could be accepted and that all the girls think he's just smelly and weird and they won't ever talk to him unless, of course, they just want to make fun of him. He nearly cried saying all of that to me and I didn't see anything wrong with this guy. There was nothing bad inside of him. But even while we were talking there at the lunch table, these four guys came behind Richard. They yelled, dork bowling, and they picked him up and slid him across the gym floor, and he hit the nearby wall. Everyone around us erupted into laughter. I saw the expression on the nearby teacher's face. He saw the whole thing, but he didn't seem to really care. All of it disgusted me. It made me so mad to see people so hateful. So I got up from my seat and I punched one of them square in the face. I got suspended for a few days. When I finally got back to school, Richard seemed changed. He began talking about how he and Dylan Klebold were twins, that they both just wanted to be accepted and that they were both rejected by the girls. At first, I had no idea who he was and what he was talking about. The name stuck with me, and when I got home from school that day, I googled the name the best I could. I wasn't exactly sure how to spell it, but lo and behold, I quickly got a result. It was the name of one of the Columbine shooters. This chilled me to the bone. I tried to forget about it, but I couldn't. My friend was identifying with one of the shooters from Columbine. It wasn't normal, and it kind of scared me. What happened the next day is the reason I'm writing this story now. The next day, we just completed a math class and we were switching. I noticed Richard's notebook sitting on his desk, so I grabbed it for him. His pencil was on this page as a bookmark, I was gonna pull the pencil out and fold the corner of the page so that it would still be marked and the pencil wouldn't fall out. But when I turned to open the page, I nearly fainted. He wrote something, a little entry at the bottom of one of the pages. It said, I have a 12 gauge shotgun and a 30 caliber rifle with over 3000 rounds of ammunition. I'm ready for a shooting. I showed it to him, I confronted him about it, and God, his face, I can't even describe it. He ran out of the school with the notebook with him, and I didn't see him ever again. The next day, the school told us he moved to another state, but I'm afraid he did something else, because there was another part of the journal that said, if I get caught by someone, the bullets intended for these jerks are gonna be my end. I don't know if he took his life or if he's in another state getting the help he deserves. What really scares me is that if I hadn't taken the time to pull that pencil out, a tragedy could have happened at my school. It still gives me chills. And number five, Anton's Diary submitted by H.L. Let me begin by saying that these events happened roughly four years ago, 
so some of it may be a bit foggy. The year was 2013. Me and my family, being my mom and dad and me, were on vacation in Germany, visiting family. We were in the city of Weimar. For those that don't know, Weimar is a relatively small city with a population of about 66,000, according to Google at the moment. It was in the late evening of the second night of our vacation. I was just finishing dinner and I wanted to go for a walk to stretch my legs. Even though the sun had nearly set and it was quite dark, I had a decent knowledge of the streets surrounding our home and I always enjoyed the cool night air of the town. About 10 minutes into my walk, a light rain began to set in. The cobblestone was starting to get slippery and my sneakers did not have proper grip. I decided it was time to head back to the house and I opted to head through an alleyway as a sort of shortcut. For a bit more detail, the alleyway was behind some industrial buildings, so it had plenty of large dumpsters, barrels, and the likes. As I was nearly at the end of the alleyway, in between two large metal dumpsters, was what appeared to be an old, discarded notebook. I went over to it and picked it up to examine it further. It had a simple design. It was bound in red leather, and there was about a hundred unlined sheets of vintage paper inside. It appeared matted and weathered, like it had been left outside for quite a while. The rain began to pick up, and without any further thought, I tucked it into my jacket, and I headed back home. It was around midnight. I just finished a game of Team Fortress 2. I decided it was time to go to sleep, and that's when I remembered the notebook I had just picked up. I hauled it out of my raincoat, and I decided I'd begin reading. Upon glancing at the first page, I realized it was written entirely in German. I barely spoke more than two words of the language, so the content of each entry was put through Google Translate. Though, of course, it's not exact, I did manage to get a decent idea of what each page talked about. Here's my rough translation of just the first page. To my son, Karsten, who I hold dear, I hope you find this journal, because by now, something terrible has probably happened to me. At the very least, listen to these words. There are things out there, things in the Black Forest. It's something you might not understand. I don't know much about it myself, but I do know it's dangerous. Please look after your sisters. The rest of that page appeared to be ripped, and I have no idea what the rest of it entailed. The next eight pages were waterlogged and completely stuck together. I couldn't get them separated, so the next readable page was the 10th, and here's what it roughly said. February 3rd, 2000. It began calling me today beckoning to me just outside the window. It was in the fog, its presence a bit hard to make out, but definitely there. It calls me Anton, as if it's known me for years. I keep my hunting rifle close, but I have tried to use it on the thing before. It failed to even scare it away. I don't know what it is, but I call it Detac Man. While translating this, I got pretty confused. Detac Man was not recognized by Google Translate until I swapped out the languages. Turns out it's a Dutch term 
literally translating to the branch man. The next 15 or so pages appeared charred. Chunks of the pages were missing entirely and the rest was blackened, like the book was held up to a blowtorch. The next and last readable page was about halfway through the book and here's what it said. December 24th, 2000. I see it more and more wherever I go. It doesn't seem to appear to others. Its body is so grossly out of place. The only person I've told was the doctor to check my mental coherence. He says I'm fine, that I should see a therapist about it right away though. Maybe I'm just stressed and my nightmares are leaking into my waking life. But still, I feel a very physical danger from this being. It seems to creep closer by the day and for the sake of my family, I feel I might have to leave them soon just to keep them safe. And that's the end of the journal. Who wrote it, I'm not sure. I take comfort in believing that it was written by a delusional man in a psychiatric hospital or something like that. Deep down though, I'm almost sure there's some truth to it. I don't know what happened to this Anton. If I had to guess, I'd think whatever he was describing might've gotten him, or maybe he got locked up after confessing his disturbing visions to someone. After reading, I immediately threw the journal in the trash. If what's written in it is true, I don't want to be a part of it. If you want some advice from me, it would be this. Don't pick up weird journals you find in alleyways. Diaries and journals are sacred things. They're used to record the history of someone or something, to keep a record of one's thoughts or even the events past. And sometimes they're used to write down warnings to those who discover it. If you ever stumbled upon a weathered journal or diary like these, just leave it alone. You never know when you're the next victim in its sinister plot. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget, if you've got a story from being a paramedic or nurse that scares you to this day, send it to me at darknessprevails.org. Also, a huge thanks goes out to all my newest patrons. They are Jessica Sorensen, Proto Scene, and Kitten Island. Thank you so much for doing what you can to give a little extra to make this channel possible. To you and all of my subscribers out there, you guys are just awesome. This channel is only possible because you make it possible. So as always, stay safe out there and stay creepy.